So, um, I have been, I've shared a couple of times the last several months, just really wrestling for what's worth living and dying for, for me personally. And over time, I've become more and more clear about the things I want to invest my heart and my time and my prayer and my care in. And so for me, as I think about us as a community, where we're going, how we're growing, what's the reason for me, three areas that are going to have to affect every area of my life, every decision that I make are just, they're simple, but they're so profound as I've thought through this filter for the last several months. I want to learn what it means to live in relationship with God and with others. I want to know what it really means to be a community on a deeper level than I thought was possible. And whether we're wounded, whether we have skills, whether people like us, life is about learning how to know him and to know each other. Can I get an amen? I mean, seriously, community is what it all comes down to. And then we call it church. And then there's church bashing, which has become like an Olympic sport, it feels like in some cases, and toxic church this, and the church is about money that, and people, I was hurt in church, and and I, I, can't, I can't take it anymore because the church, the community of believers on earth is beautiful. Jesus is wild and crazy in love with us. And if he decided to lift the universal church, the true church of believers carrying the Spirit of God, if he said, it's time now, come on, you're leaving the earth and all that's going to be left behind is mankind it would be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah I mean it would just be it, can you imagine if people carrying the love of God and the presence of God showing that to each other if every person who is genuinely part of the church was removed from earth do you want to live there that's worse than Biff's world you know from uh, back to the future so sorry there's a lot going on up here yeah, thank you, Lori. No, I, that, for me, uh, it makes me ask this question. What is the highest value of heaven? And I honor other people's opinions, but I am coming to an unshakable confidence. The highest value of the kingdom of God is relationship. God, the Father, lives in the perfect relationship with the Son and the Spirit. And they go, this union, this oneness is so beautiful. We need to bring others into that oneness to enjoy, to celebrate life. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling profound to me. Do you know who is going to be the closest to the throne in the kingdom of God, in my opinion? Those who know how to relate, who know how to know other people and be known by people. The ones that are going to be right there with Jesus, they're going to be delighting in him, celebrating him for who he is, and, and Gary and Lori and Tanya and every, you know, glory. Every, when we can see somebody and their identity in the Lord and honor them, celebrate them, we've come into the very substance of what heaven is going to be, loving and honoring each other. And, by the way, 
allowing ourselves to be who we truly are in him without shame or hiding or guilt or comparison or fear or self-pity we're just going to be us and people go wow i get to celebrate jesse i get to know jeff cheryl you blow my mind you know ho 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 i love what you bring to the church ho and by the way you can believe in god and not know god the demons even believe in god and they shudder because they don't know him from his goodness because they chose in darkness and only people who choose light are able to enjoy the light it comes down to a choice but it's a continual choice that we make to continue to press into relationship so the, the sermon title of miko's here is just valuing community and uh I've heard this phrase, and it can become cliche, and I, I'm challenged. In the area of relationships and community, oh, I didn't say the big three, did I? Community is huge. Hosting God's presence. Y y how can you even experience community unless you're experiencing God's presence and, and within the Spirit together? And then, hopefully, we're not com all coming here, so, oh, God, help my ouchies and my boo-boos and help me get better and help me... Help me feel good. Hopefully, eventually, when you realize I'm loved, you want to bring others into that place of maturity and of being one with God and knowing love. And so you have a heart and a grace to serve. And they all three, if you're not serving in the spirit, you're just going to be striving. If you're you know, trying to know relationship, but you don't actually have the most important relationship and carrying his presence and his unconditional love into those relationships, then it's going to be a human relationship. It won't have that divine fingerprint on it. Does that make sense? So all of these things work together, but today we're focused on primarily community and the phrase that can become cliche. Think for a moment, what does it actually mean the government of heaven is family? So, you know, who are the governing authorities in our life? Who are the ones that are supposed to be exercising and demonstrating the actual values that we live by. Who are the, the judges and the coaches and the, you know, I mean, the legal, the government of heaven. If you think about it, almost all the metaphors in the Bible are the same. There's a father and there's a son. What governmentally does that mean? What does it mean to have a father relationship with someone that's governmental by the way there's a bride and there's a groom right and the groom is the head of the church that sounds like authority that sounds governmental and by the way there are sons and there's daughters that's a relationship am i right and then there's mothers and fathers in the kingdom it all comes down to relationship people who have come to know him and know how to help others know him who are creating a, an ever-increasing kingdom where we are going and tending that garden. We're uh, stepping out and multiplying and doing excellent things that are the nature of the kingdom. So what is the common link, if you want to think about it, for if the government of heaven is family,
What is the common link between all of those relationships if they're right? You know what I believe it is? It's unconditional love. The Father loves us perfectly for our sake, not for his. Jesus, everyone he met, the woman caught in adultery, the Samaritan woman, he only had their best interest in that moment to speak spirit and life into them, right? For their welfare and benefit. Zacchaeus, who shouldn't have even been in the house with Jesus? Hey, come on out of that tree. Come out, hang with me. I mean, you know, the kindness that Jesus showed to somebody who was shunned socially, it was unconditional love. So when you think about that, you have a covenant relationship with God, which is not a contract. It's not human in nature. It's, of course, divine, but it also is incredibly one-sided because when God says, I will, he does. Not if you do this, I'm going to do that. The covenant that he makes is the kind of covenant that's permanent, and the only covenant you can make is the kind that depends on you. I'm going to choose. Now, I don't fully understand covenant relationship. It scares me. Um, Jack Frost taught that there are three primary fears that 80% of people struggle with. There's fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, but the th weird one for me is fear of submission to love. When you get around your mom and you're a child who is dependent upon your father or your mother, and you so need their love and their approval that they can control you with that. Some of us have been abused or manipulated by authority figures, and eventually it's like, okay, it's just too scary to love. It makes me too vulnerable. And then we take, when others have abused that governmental authority, that relational, that family authority, and we wall up and try to become our own saviors, right? And so walking through life, learning, wait a minute, but that isn't the way Jesus loves. That isn't the Father's heart toward me. Have you ever wondered why are we so afraid to let the Lord love us? Why, if we're not afraid, then we don't know how, or we don't think he does yet, or we take, I've got to be good enough. Well, I don't even like me, so obviously God's got to have better taste than I do. I wouldn't pick me. Why would he? I mean, you know, there's this weird performance thinking that gets all tied up and mixed up that the Lord has to untie your macrame heart and all those little knots so that you can actually live in the nature of unconditional love. And so... I have a conviction that Jesus, I'm, by, by the way, I'm in, I, now I'm in John, and you want to freak out, you want to revitalize your love and your faith, just read through the book of John. Good Lord, the life of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the power, the love, the sacrifice, every, I'm just like, whoa, you're freaking me out. You know, how did I, how did I let Jesus slip out of that central place in my heart and in my life? when he's just unbelievable. But what I look at it now, you want to read about the life of Jesus with a weird filter? Okay, how was that covenant love? How was that unconditional love? 
for the disciples, for Judas? How was that unconditional love for Lazarus, for Martha, for Mary, for all of them? Just everything he did, everything he said, it was like, wow. And don't, don't you kind of feel, well, Charlie, that's unfair. I can, I, I, I can practice covenant love in my marriage, and that's hard enough as it is. I mean, no, I'm sure none of you have ever been challenged by marriage, but it's pushed me. And then you have kids and you have this love where you wouldn't even question dying for them, but sometimes, like, how did I get these savages in my house? I mean, they're not acting right, right? And, and yet, you know, I, but I can, I can kind of imagine having unconditional love for my kids, but isn't it mind-blowing if Jesus had one interact, the woman at the, the well in Samaria, he had that one encounter with her, right? And, and he told her all the things about her life. She goes and tells the whole city, I, well, we got to see this dude, you know? And then he speaks into her life about what true worship is. He had a covenant, unconditional love. Even, and if it's true for Jesus, it's true for you. You can love the person right in front of you for their best interest and still be safe and not be taken advantage of and not be abused. Because Jesus was never abused or taken advantage of. He willingly laid it all down for the sake of the other. And by the way, many it blessed. Some it didn't. So until I bat a thousand, I'm not in the big leagues with Jesus. I don't think it works that way. So anyway, I say all of this and I'm, I'm thinking about these things in the context of outside of the building as well. If we really become about not becoming a church and trying to conform to what the church leadership's expectations are and all do the church stuff and we have the you know, usher ministry and everything that we kind of have experienced before, but if instead we're thinking, wait, the church is a community of believers growing together, worshiping God together, loving and knowing God, and coming to love and to know each other. You know how hungry the world is for real relationship? If they thought that's what church was about, being a real community, we wouldn't be able to keep them out. Is that right? So why do we get so shy about, oh no, we just love God. I want to learn to love people. I want to serve with excellence. I want to walk in the Spirit. And I want the best possible relationships I can have in my family, with my friends, with my neighbors, with those crazy people I have a relationship with at Winco. They think I'm a trip. And I love it. The people down at the marina. Man, that's become a farm. That's become like amazing relationships because we have a common love of boating or sailing. So anyway, it... Here's another simple transition. I, I hope this is relevant, that you can all relate to this, because it's astounding to me. Uh, Jeff Irons and Robert Morton said something that was very similar, and then it was very similar to me as well. And you guys know I, I have another conviction, a belief that as you really come to know God, he tears down what we used to think of as secular and what we think of as sacred. That whatever job you're in, it's a sacred job. Whatever relationship you have, whoever lives across the street from you, that's sacred, you know? It, it's not uh, 
an inconvenience to have people in our lives that we can have an influence with. And so uh, Jeff told me one time, and sorry I'm outing you, that he was uh, helping out with the homeless ministry. And for a lot of people, are you guys, do you get nervous around homeless people? Maybe they're going to ask for something you don't want to give. Maybe they're going to threaten you. Maybe they're poor Lori and her, man, she's got the highest sense of smell. I, she's like a golden retriever. And so she gets around a urine smell. It's like, I'm out. And she's trying to do better. But, you know, there's that fear of inconvenience. Masks really good. So anyway, they were doing this outreach to the homeless. And Jeff was like, okay, well, I'll just sit back here and I'll serve and I'll kind of help prepare the stuff they're going to be handing out. And he was reluctant about interacting. And then all of a sudden, Jeff, I hope if I'm not sharing it quite right, you correct me. But all of a sudden, he had this compassion like, wait. They're just people. There's somebody I could get to know. I could actually have a conversation, find out what their circumstances are. And this, I would, the way I heard it, it was like, oh, the Lord began to put simple care, compassion in his heart for a homeless person. Where before there was an us and them barrier. Right? How'd I do? It's pretty good? Pretty close. Okay. Not perfect, but. I, you know, I, I'm working on it. Then Robert shared with me a similar thing. Cheryl, uh, who is the epicenter of a lot of this activity, uh, was driving down the road. They saw a homeless person. Well, let's stop. And so she gave him a blanket, was interacting with them. And if I remember right, Robert, you stayed in the car. But then all of a sudden, while Cheryl, Cheryl was reaching out to this homeless person, you had this love pour into your heart for that person. I want the best for them. Oh, God, bless their life. Heal their, you know, bless Cheryl. And Robert's also admitted when he gets to the pearly gates, if there are such things, he wants Cheryl right next to him. It's like, I'm with her, you know. <laughs> but it's so touching. And then I show up at the pantry, and I had been avoiding the prayer tent. I was like, hey, no, bags of food. I can put that in somebody's truck. And then I got suckered in, you know, somebody wasn't, you know, Gloria needed someone. So then I go, kind of, I'm 62 years old. I've walked with the Lord the majority of my life, and I was still afraid to pray for people at the pantry. What kind of weird performance us and them? Do you understand? It's, it's grieving to me, actually. So then the next thing I know, Gloria and I are there talking with people at the tent, and guess what? They're people. They're sweet. They're appreciative. You know, they... They have things to offer. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what, what, Gloria, go. You know, and she had, you know, Psalms 91, and here's what the Lord's telling me, and here's how you can pray for your family. And I'm like, wow, let's just bless the snot out of them. You know, and then we, that first time especially, there was, people were like, what is going on? There's laughter over there. Every car, we were just cracking up at God's goodness. We need a breakthrough. We need to come into that place where we're more about others than the, we're worried about ourselves. And that's how you become community. When you're in a place like that and you're letting the Lord touch you with his unconditional love, touch you with his compassion for someone else's circumstances. And that is church. And so John, I've warned you ahead of time, John 17, 19 through 21, I've been praying around for weeks now and I've shared it once before, but this absolutely kills me. And for their sake, this is Jesus speaking, and for their sake. Whose sake? 
the ones the Father was giving Jesus. The people, his, the person right in front of Jesus, it was for their sake that I consecrate myself. I dedicate myself. I give my whole self. I don't hold back. I make my whole focus for their sake that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, sanctified. By the way, the word consecrate there, Jesus, it also, that's the same word. I sanctified myself. I set myself apart. I'm allowing myself to become a holy instrument for their sake that by encountering the spirit and truth, their heart can now be set apart to God, can be pulled toward God. Lies can be broken off. Shame can die. You know, fears can go. They're going to be set apart because I've consecrated myself to speak into people's lives dignity and life and hope and spirit and the Father's love and be an example of unconditional love in somebody who maybe never saw it before. Isn't that amazing? Holy cow! How could we not get excited about such a mission that we partner with him in? And then it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. That's you. Through their word, that they, here's the, the, the pinnacle, that they may all be one. That's all Jesus wants, is union, unity, oneness, like he shares with the Father. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Living in union, coming into that place more and more of caring about each other more than we worry about our own needs. It's, it's about learning to live in healthy, life-giving relationships. Who doesn't want that? I mean, I can't imagine a person. Even, I, be as introverted as you want. You still want to connect. You still want to know and be known. Is that right? So um, I'm going to have to sum this up pretty quickly. We're, we're ending with a very special thing today. Um, but it, I, I have to share the, a concept from Matthew 22:37, and I... I think about this a lot, and it really is the core of what it means to be in community. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest, the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor goes everywhere from family to stranger, from homeless to your spouse, right? So how can you possibly love others with, and, and including your enemies, unless you actually have that connection personally with him? So I've got, I wrote just a couple of quick things down. I love the phrase of doing life together. That I can envision enjoying life with other people. And, uh, Bill Johnson recently kicked me and, and said, uh, are you willing to link your life to people that God has put in your life?
to actually connect with them, to be vulnerable toward them, to serve them for their sake. I, I have to be, no, not always. No, I don't want to link. I, don't, I have a fear of submission to love that God help us all, we're going to break it off. And if he has loved us so profoundly, we can learn to love that profoundly. It's our inheritance. So, you know, we go from an orphan spirit to being adopted to him becoming Abba. And uh, I, want, I have three areas to challenge you with um, in terms of growing. And I don't want to just talk. I, I want to begin over time to measure how am I doing? Am I growing in my love of community, my love of other people? Am I connecting? Am I doing life? Am I linking my life to somebody else for their sake? I, I want to learn as a community how we can grow together. And these first three areas, I think, are the, the springboard, the, the jumping off point. First off, the message today. You have to value relationships. If you don't have the eternal perspective that all you're going to take out of this life I mean, I love pancakes, but they're not going with me, right? The only thing you take out of this life is the contribution you've made into the eternal soul of another human being. That's the currency of heaven. The relationships that you had for good and for bad, that's what's going to be remembered and, and reverberate through eternity. Is that right? And so if we don't come to a place of valuing it, honoring it, whoa, this is the currency of heaven. This is the highest value of heaven. I want to come into oneness. I want to, have, I want to be closer to my friends and my family. I want to be more so a source of blessing and of life for everyone around me. If I don't value that, then I'm not going to pursue it. Is that right? So I, we need to stir ourselves up. Hey, why, why do we get so distracted uh, it, uh, I'll say this very quick, but it cracked me up. We did the uh, Park Rose Marketplace. Lori did a great job, worked super hard. It, Gail, and I, I'm getting there. And uh, Gail was there during the marketplace as well. And so I was doing some things, I don't remember what, and the last couple hours, I showed up with my guitar, and I decided to just play instrumental worship music, because that's all I know. I know a couple of secular songs, but when I sing them, they get saved. So. Um, I'm just playing light music, and I, I don't mean to out you guys, but they were doing transactions. They were running a booth. They were talking with people, and here's this artwork, and here's this craft, and blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, I started playing the music, and I think it was Gail first. is like, wait a minute. We're here for the Lord. We're looking. And it was just moments later, a lady was like limping by, and it was you, wasn't it, Gail? It went, oh, you know, are you hurting? Yeah, my knees. Can we pray? Isn't that crazy? It's if you value relationship, if that wall between you and strangers can come down, if we are mature and secure enough and we're thinking that God honors relationships, then the two ladies went and prayed. And the, did the lady cry? I think I remember she was tearing up because her pain went away in her knee. Isn't that amazing? Come on. It, it, there's so much of it going on all around. So we have to value the other area that we all need to grow in, and we'll, I'll try to be as strategic as I can, what is the currency of relationship then? It's communication. Learning, uh, I, you might be surprised, sometimes it's difficult for me to listen, because I have a story I want to tell you. <laughs> but me telling a story doesn't mean I'm actually hearing somebody else's heart. 
So learning how to really listen, learning how to really communicate, not how to exaggerate, not how to minimize, not how to have false humility. Communication is the only way that we let others into our life and we enter into theirs. And so we, and by the way, communication is prayer with God. Is that right? So learning to give and receive, to speak, to, to pour out, and then to receive back. So communication is, is you know, what we really need to grow in if we're going to improve in terms of healthy relationships. But then the last part is intentionality. If I value it, if I've really practiced my skills, and I still am terrible at communication in some areas, I have a chink in my armor. I get defensive really quick. Oh, no, you shouldn't feel that way because that's not how I meant it, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I totally dismiss how it affected somebody. I just recently did that. And so... Um, You've you got to learn to communicate better in a way that's safe, but then you have to look. You have to be intentional. You can wait for it to randomly happen, or you can go to a home group. Oh, there isn't one in my area. Start one! <laughs> right? Invite somebody out to coffee. Get together. I mean, it's just, it isn't, you know, rocket surgery. So... I said it on purpose. So, um, being intentional enough to, you know, stir yourself up to value that relationship, being intentional enough to grow in the skills that you're going to need, but then putting yourself out there, face to face, mature and secure, be there for somebody else's sake, and see what God will do. And so what are those intentional steps that you can take? And I'll end with this final illustration. Uh, Two, three weeks ago, I went to visit somebody, I won't say who, um, and they, uh, you know, there was kind of a thing a little bit over time between her and I, and she sort of felt like I wasn't as much a part of her life as other pastors had been, and she was this disappointment. And so I went, and I was like, okay. And guys, it was the craziest thing. I was in her house, the Holy Spirit showed up. He spoke these things that he'd been talking to her about, and she said some things that he had been talking to me about. And the next thing you knew, we're like, isn't God amazing? It's so fun to just see him in our lives. And she's like, I've got tingles. It's like, cool. You know, I walked away like, what is the matter with me? So, you know, here's, here's how God reveals some of our areas of weakness and vulnerability. You know, for 25 years, I was at New Song Church. I was honored to be there. But guys, it was, big, it was a big church, and I was super busy. There were days where I had back-to-back appointments for 12 hours. And so I was like going and going. I was so used to I have my office, and people come to me. And so then I was sitting after meeting this person and having the Holy Spirit come and touch both of us during that time. It's like, wait a minute. I'm not that guy anymore. I don't have to wait for you to call and say, will you please help my miserable life and be a counselor for me? You know, what am I waiting for? You know, I love you all. I'd love to spend time with you. It isn't counseling. It's relationship. And so I can be intentional. And so I've started making the calls. Some of you have got the calls. Hey, let's spend some time together. Let's hang out. I'd love to hear your story. And look for that Holy Spirit-empowered encounter that he has for the person sitting right in front of you. But you have the responsibility to step out and make it happen. Amen? Amen.